Hey everyone, Rocky here. I just wanted to put this at the front of the episode to let everyone know there's a sort of weird audio glitch that happened on the recording for this episode, which is that uh, if you are a regular listener, you will notice. If this is our first time listening, it may not even be noticeable, but uh, for some reason, the recording did something to my voice that made it much deeper. It almost sounds like I'm a uh, I'm someone uh, calling under a voice modulator, holding somebody for ransom or something. But uh, otherwise, everything's fine. Uh, the you know the, the audio is clear. Everybody else sounds fine. So just if just to let people know that this hopefully will not happen again. Uh, not sure what caused it, but uh, I am fine. I am nothing. Uh, <laughs> Everything seems to be okay. I just don't know why the voice changed on the recording. Everything sounded good live, but it's a great show. So I wanted to still send it out there and just let people know what was up. So hope you enjoy it. Thanks. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. Hey, and I draft a lot. Hey, and I draft a lot. Hey. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. Hey, and I draft a lot. Hey, and I draft a lot. Hey, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts. I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod. Now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now. Loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, peeping it now. Steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no. These kids be thinking they crowd. Oh no, no. Immediately throwing the towel. See? When it's different, it's different Go position by position Ain't no issue commission As a commission, I just listen They envision my vision And my division I'm stealing Cause I be willing and dealing Find me the trade cause I'm a fiend I'm a junkie, ayy And I'm a junkie, ayy Ain't no denying my supply I'm a junkie, ayy See, I'm a junkie, ayy And I'm a junkie, ayy Be getting high off my supply I'm a junkie, ayy Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 43 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict, and back with me this week is Scott Sidlow at Scott underscore Sidlow on Twitter. Back from vacation. You You feeling refreshed, Scott? Oh, man, I am feeling good. I've got a lot less hair on my face, on my body. Uh, back in the normal weather here in uh, Chicago suburbs. So, yeah, man, ready to talk some football. Yeah, and I, I'm really excited for the show, and I got two great guests on. Uh, just for the record, Scott, um, this is the last time we'll refer to you as Scott because two Scots is going to be confusing. One of our guests is also named Scott. Uh, I, I considered a couple different uh, monikers. I was thinking maybe uh, much less smart Scott, uh, far few followers, Scott. I like the alliteration on that one. Uh, but I'm just going to go with Sidlow. <laughs> but uh, getting getting into the guest, uh, I want to <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, getting into the guest, I want to introduce both of them because I'm very happy to have them on here tonight. We'll go we'll go to the other Scott, which is uh, Scott Connor of, of Dynasty and Chill, Manic and Chill, everything and Chill. So Scott, how you doing tonight? Rocky, good to be back. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Kind of, kind of dinged your buddy Scott there. Uh, we'll go by 
Sid or, you know, he had to come on and share that he had much less hair on his body. And then you immediately demote him by taking away his first name. So this should be fun. This is a great show. Great crew. Uh, we got a great show sheet and, uh, yeah, glad to be here. Glad to be back on uh, the Junkies Pots. So appreciate you having me. Yep, I, pre- I appreciate you coming on. And, and I, I got to, you know, be in deference to the guests. You're Scott. He's Sidlow. I, I could have gone with one of those others. I, I didn't do do him that dirty. So, uh, and our other guest is uh, J. Mike, the Open Bar Dynasty Dummies. Uh, one of the one of the the best podcast voices out there. J. Mike, how you doing? Uh, I, I'm, Jay I'm, Mike reading the phone book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm excited to be here. I'm thankful that you have me here. I'm excited for what we're going to be discussing. Uh, but I'm really just in awe of the many nicknames that we'll have by the end of, end of this episode for Sidlow. Um, I don't know. The, Zach Wilson, number one fan, Sidlow. F- formerly Chicago Stan Scott. You know, I, I don't I feel like there's a. Scott McCaskey. I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of names we can go with, and I'm here for them all. <laughs> well, about to keep coming up with more as the show goes along. Um, but to what you said, what we are going to be doing here tonight is um, a startup strategy episode, and, and we're not the first podcast to do it. We won't be the last, but uh, I kind of like the tack we're taking with it tonight. I got I got four guys here, uh, all in a recent startup together, so. Uh, we did a it's a Tech Mobile themed league, Tech Mobile Dynasty. It's a uh, twelve team Superflex PPR two tight end premium, and we're going to talk some general strategy, but also um, you know how how things may have changed or not this year, uh, how it applies to the specific league, and uh, and basically any adjustments you had to make that kind of thing. So. We're going to get right into it. The first thing I wanted to ask everybody is just to kind of give your general startup strategy or philosophy, just as a, as a dynasty player through the years, uh, where you're at, and then maybe how it's, you know, because we have had a massive change in the way people are drafting this year. So I definitely also wanted to ask how, how you may have adapted your philosophy to this year. So uh, uh, Scott, why don't we start with you? Yeah, it's been a uh, crazy, crazy flip from last year and even the year before, if you go back two years, just in terms of what early rounds of startups look like. And I think it's a couple different things that go into it. Uh, my my approach, at least the four startups I've done this year uh, thus far, have been what we saw last season with the quarterback advantage at the very, very top. We've seen this swell of quarterbacks that jump up. You know, you know, It's not crazy to see a startup draft where the first – 9, 10, 11 picks or quarterbacks. And obviously that that's exacerbated when you're in true two QB leagues, 14-team, 16-team super flex leagues where the scarcity is a little bit higher. Uh, but even if the scoring advantage, like if you just look position for position, if the quarterbacks are scoring on the higher end compared to the other positions, I mean, you're going to see this swell of quarterbacks where it's everyone is racing to the top to try to lock in at least one elite quarterback. My strategy has been – uh, first of all, at least you try to get at least one quarterback that has thrown for 4,000 yards in a season, unlike any Bears quarterback in history. So shout out to Scott Sidlow on that one. But yeah, I want to try to lock in two elite quarterbacks. So my strategy in three of the four startups I've done is, and you probably got to do it before we see the board, you know, before we know how the board's going to play out, is basically just trade up. I'm not worried about missing out on running backs, which are probably going to populate the second, third, fourth round most of the time. Uh, and then this startup we did was a two PPR league. So you're going to see some tight ends sprinkled in there as well. So 
my strategy has been trying to get another top seven, eight, nine pick. Uh, it's probably a notch up now that Watson is looking a little shaky for next year. Um, but really, it's just to try to start with two elite quarterbacks. I'm fine punting running back. Um, I'll talk a little more about my strategy heading into the next couple years with 2023's rookie class looking like to be another 2017, 2020. Um, so if you're weak at running back, I'm fine going that way as long as you supplement some 2023 picks. But I know Rocky disagrees. He's on the opposite end. But, uh, yeah, I want to lock in two quarterbacks. This startup, I ended up with uh, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, uh, and started out the team exactly how I wanted. So that's my start. That's my strategy. Get two of those elite quarterbacks, overpay and startup cost, um, and then try to worry about the other positions later. And yeah, that's uh, it's interesting too because uh, I'm going to go right to J Mike because he seemed to have a similar strategy. He also traded up, got got two uh, first round picks. Uh, so Jay, Mike, why don't you talk about your strategy a little bit? Yeah, and and I and I can assure you that it was not my intent to go in that direction at first. Uh, after last season, I was I was very swayed, very, uh, very very much in the camp of QBX. Shout out to our guy John Hogue, um, who who who, who champions that cause, but. Uh, I was very much in the camp of going quarterback early and going quarterback often. But the beauty of participating in startup mocks is that you get to practice and you get to see a lot of kind of what is happening with the trends and being a part of making those decisions in the moment. What I was able to see with how March was trending was literally we had the mock that I was in where 11 quarterbacks went in the first round. All of a sudden, QBX, at least to me, and, and John can probably explain it way better than I can, but for me, as someone who's trying to navigate that landscape, that was no longer something that I felt like I could take a viable stab at. And typically in startups, I like doing different uh, different strategies. I like doing different things in different leagues. I don't like being necessarily in the same league twice, like format and whatnot. I like doing unique things and so with two ppr like a full two ppr uh premium for tight ends i was really excited to see how this landscape would change so with the 11 quarterbacks off the board in mocks i was very confident that it wouldn't be a case where i'd just be able to stack up on quarterbacks later that i really valued or liked and so um literally at, and i was confident i was like man i need to figure out another way to get one of these top seven eight guys uh and, and i think that the day that i had thought about that the very next day, Scott trades to get like a, a, one of the one of the top picks, and I'm sitting there with 101, thinking, okay, I gotta find a way to get into the top seven, top eight somehow, some way. Uh, and thankfully, I was able to strike a deal. Shout out to Dustin, uh, <laughs> Mr. Church, and uh, and and I was able to get Mahomes and Dak, and I feel really confident about that start, and at least in one in one spot, being able to really put pressure on other teams with who I'm able to roll out weekly uh, with that advantage. So uh, that was uh, something a little different that I wanted to be able to try. And the trends really pushed me in that direction and being able to kind of see the landscape as to how things were trending. So that was a uh, fun, fun to be able to, to experiment with. Okay. And two things I wanted to, that you were talking, maybe I thought of uh, one is that John Hogue is also in this league and, and he did continue with QBX that, that may be in a whole other pod we may do with John on here. I, I thought about having him on, but I think he deserves a whole other pod to for us to go at it again. But um, and, uh, and the other thing was that this 
this startup actually did play out exactly the way you just said. I, there were, I believe, there were eleven uh, of the first twelve picks in the first round were quarterbacks. So uh, I'll get into what I was thinking, which uh, Scott alluded to. Um, my, I mean, my general startup strategy is always just to grab what I think is the value, and that's a very subjective term for me. What it generally means is I, I like to wait on quarterback. I, I think you can load up on the other positions and and make up the difference in quarterback. I know there was a lot of uh, like Scott said a high a lot of high scoring quarterbacks last year. Uh, we'll see if that continues. I do think there may be some of the whole no off season we saw in 2011 where we saw a lot of high scoring uh, more so than usual. So maybe it'll bite me, but I definitely I ended up waiting even longer than I planned. We'll we'll probably get into some of the, our all of our teams um, later on, but you'll see my quarterbacks are are not what most people would want. And the other thing for me that it often means is to grab an elite tight end, uh, even a non premium, but especially with this 2.0 premium, uh, I, I found a lot of value in getting at least one of those. Uh, top tight ends and I, I actually ended up grabbing two of them my strategy was pretty much the opposite of uh a scott and uh and j mike's which was i traded out of the first round so that i could i could grab that value in the second and third and i also traded up uh from later picks and i ended up with five picks i think in the first uh 32 and, and grabbed a lot of non-quarterbacks because you it's crazy what you can get there we'll get in like i said we'll get into our teams later but that's basically the way I look at it. That's how I'm uh, attacking this year. I did it in another startup as well, uh, the Trade Addicts 9 startup. And uh, it, 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 uh, I'm also generally a win-now kind of person. I'm not sure. You guys didn't really address that. But I'm always looking in that proverbial two- to three-year window. And I think I – as we'll see, my team is, is very old by Dynasty community standards. But uh, I think it's got at least two years in it. So – Scott, let's uh, – uh, oh, I called you Scott. Sidlow, let's get into yours. <laughs> or, or McCaskey. I'm not sure which I should go with. but So, I, I mean, first of all, I like no one in my life actually calls me Scott. So, so Sid is literally what I go by since probably peewee football, like five years old, six years old, whenever you start that. So being called Scott in the first place is very weird. Um, okay, so this – this draft for me was just super different. I mean, my normal philosophy is uh, yeah, I'm building for the future more so um, like I hate running backs, I guess is how you would say it. Like I pretty much, this is the earliest I've ever taken a running back. And I took like two in the, my first four picks, super weird. Um, but it also because I had another startup at the same time. And I also had the same pick. I had the one Oh two in both of them. And so uh, that one actually started a couple days before. And because of how that draft was going, it kind of influenced me a little bit on, on this one. Um, plus the people in it uh, influenced things a little bit too, right? Because, you know, we were talking earlier, I've been listening to J Mike for years, right? So I kind of have an idea, like, I, I don't know exactly what he's going to do. I don't know exactly what Scott's going to do and Hogue's going to do, but well, actually we kind of know what Hogue's going to do. Right. But um, I, I kind of have a feeling of like, all right, this is probably who they're looking at here, what they're going to try to do. Maybe here's a spot I can move back, move up, whatever. When you know some of your league mates, I think that changes things too. So my, I guess in general, my strategy is like to not have a strategy because I don't know exactly how it's going to go. Every, each startup is its own thing. Like it, they're all so different 
and drafting at the 102 in two different startups within like 48 hours of each other, my teams are completely different. Um, so it just goes to show like you just don't know uh, until you actually get in there and do it. So in if uh, <laughs> like if I knew I had to do a podcast uh, about this startup, I probably wouldn't have done it the way I did just because like it's so different. It's not what I, it's not what I normally do. Honestly, I kind of swung for the fences a little bit in some cases and um, probably pick guys that I never would have uh, guys. I don't have many shares of, um, you know, and, and maybe I guess more just went towards like seeing what a couple of the guys were doing, trading up to get two quarterbacks like J. Mike mentioned, um, some things like that. I just felt like there were going to be enough guys kind of kicking it down the road a little bit that I thought maybe I could take a shot this year, knowing again that the league would be active enough that I could always move these guys if I needed to. So I almost kind of just did a, a like VBD, value-based drafting. I mean, honestly... It, I, it's weird to say I kind of treated it like a, a, a redraft league, but I kind of did. Like I just looked at the players that were there and I just went, yeah, all right, this, this guy, you know, I'm, I'm rolling with him. Like I'm just going to put points in my lineup right now and, you know, we'll figure it out later because, you know, as us trade addicts know, we're going to make plenty of trades. So I, I don't think it really matters who you draft so much as what you do with it. And I think this is a good point about the the value based drafting is uh, I mean that's generally what I was trying to say earlier. I, I mentioned that I generally heavily tight ends. I wait on quarterback, but the, I mean that's not a hard and firm rule for me either. If if somehow this league only drafted five quarterbacks in the first round, I might have drafted one sooner. Uh, but I also wanted to get into because um, Scott had mentioned it when uh, he, he had talked about his team is 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 trading. Uh, he gave up what I thought was a pretty significant difference there. He gave up the uh, the very first trade of you know pre startup. Gave up uh, two hundred seven and three hundred six for one hundred four and eight hundred nine. So Scott, I just wanted to kind of have you talk a little bit about your thoughts on, on startup trading in general. Maybe that trade in particular. Yeah. So I think I mean Jay Mike touched on it, but you know I think one thing to notice here is Sid mentioned it, Jay Mike mentioned it. Who we're playing with, right? And actually, I made the second trade. Justin Rogers, shout out Dynasty Hot Sauce. You know, he he traded up, picked up a second top eight pick first. So then I did it. And then we also know John Hogue is in this draft, and he was picking at the 110, which is kind of a tough spot <laughs> to continue on with the quarterback, quarterback start because you're picking at the very end of the tier. I mean, I could argue – you know, he went Rodgers at 110 and Tannehill at 203. I could argue he probably lost value on both of those picks, but you knew if he's going to stick to that strategy being at that spot, I'm sitting here going, man, I've just seen Justin Rodgers trade up and get a second top eight pick. I do it. J. Mike does it. And you have John Hogue sitting there at 110 and 203. I'm going, man, the top... 14 of the top 15 picks in this draft are going to be quarterbacks. You, you knew that was what was coming. And it takes it takes two to tango, right, Rocky? I mean, there has to be people willing to trade out of those 104, 105, 106, 107 spots to give the person the second quarterback, and there was enough. But I think once I saw those moves, I'm like, I have to act. Then J. Mike acted, and then John Hogue just put the cherry on top, and he went quarterback, quarterback. And I'm just sitting there going, yes. Um, and I don't – 
knowing that that's probably what was going to happen, I was not worried about giving up the second or third round pick because I'm probably sitting in there going, that's probably going to be a running back or a tight end. If there's an elite tight end sitting there in my second round pick, I would take it, but I'm not going to bank on that. So I'm kind of just sitting in the running back dead zone. I'm not picking receivers this high, especially in two PPR for tight ends. And I'm actually fine punting running backs. Part of my trade strategy was also to pick up a couple extra 2023 picks. That's going to supplement my running backs down the road. I have three 2023 firsts. So I'm kind of fine going zero RB or modified zero RB until then. And just hopefully my quarterbacks and my receivers can hold court until then. Um, I, I do want to also say that this is pre-rookie draft. And so there is one opportunity to bail yourself out is with these rookie picks. Once the rosters are shaken out, I also picked up the 102. And I think I got that at the 209, which to me is a steal considering it's probably what quarterback 17 off the board. And that's going to give me a shot at another elite quarterback once I see the draft spots and the landing spots. So that, along with rookie picks, I think right now, you have to supplement your teams with either future picks to supplement your running backs or with rookie picks because it gives you flexibility. That's why I went rookie picks instead of some other position players. Because if I leave this draft weak at tight end or weak at running back, I have the 102 and the 106 along with Herbert and Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to be able to address some needs and I don't have to act on the clock in the startup. I can wait two more months until I have to make those picks. So I think that's part of it. You can go for the heavy quarterbacks, but and I joked with J Mike. I mean, he literally, I think 15 rounds into the draft, I'm like, dude, like we're literally doing the exact same thing. <laughs> in this draft. I mean, our teams just parallel each other almost in terms of the way that they're built. Uh, so I'll let him talk, but I mean, that was, you have to supplement it. You can't just go heavy quarterback and then go zero everything else. Because then you're in a position where it's like, okay, I have John Hope taking five, six quarterbacks, three other people with elite quarterback. The only way I'm going to get advantages at other positions now is to break up those two elite quarterbacks. So I want to put myself in a position where I don't have to do that. So over to J Mike. But yeah, that's you have to take multiple angles if you're going to trade up and give up that much draft capital just for two quarterbacks. And, and it feels like that's one of the most fun parts of the startup is trying to navigate the ever-changing landscape as it just continues to evolve as you go. So you're trying to ride waves. You're trying to get out in front of runs. You're trying not to be the tail end of the run. You don't want to be the runt of a litter of a run, right? Like it gets it gets real, uh, real, real disgusting at the end of a certain run when you're like, please, I just want this one guy to drop. Can, can please, can Joe Mixon just fall to me right here in the beginning of the sixth? Daggone it. Like, and – yeah, all of a sudden it gets to be just this really uh, weird place. So uh, I think that at least for as we just continue kind of casting like startup ideas and, and and you have to have somewhat of a vision as to what you want to do with the team. And there are some people who are going to be very, uh, very rigid in how they approach that process and how they go about continuing to make their picks. Um, and again, shout out to John Hogue. John Hogue is very, very much. Uh, a man of his convictions. And so he takes the first three quarterbacks or he takes the quarterback at the end of the first and at the early part of the second, you know, he's not going to stop. Like, you know, that's going to happen. Um, so by knowing his tendencies and, and playing with a bunch of people who are either newer to dynasty or people that I've, maybe I've never played with before, uh, you have to have a vision as to what you want to, to do with the roster. So when you make the commitment in one direction early in the draft, a lot of the pieces as to how you go about maneuvering fall into place um, as you go. And, and that was one of the 
But that's one of the things where I feel like there are some teams just in general in, in startups all over the dynasty landscape. They kind of go in and they just pick players who they might think are pretty good or or they like a little bit, but there's no real vision or forecasting to their team. And then it kind of shows when you have somewhat of a either middle of the road team or a team that doesn't have a, a real direction. And so they might be OK in a lot of spots or they might even be pretty good in a lot of spots. Um, but nothing that really feels like a hammer that's going to move them forward in 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 one direction or another. And uh, th- there were certainly identities that formed for teams throughout the draft. And it, it, you could also tell the teams that were just kind of just kind of out there making picks of of players who, uh, who who might be pretty good players. But what does their value look like a year from now? What do even their points or their role look like in 2021? Uh, I, a lot of those things may not be thought through. And that's something that early on you have to. You really have to commit to, uh, but also be ready uh, to to move and to and to maneuver as as the draft goes, and that's a that's such a fun process to be able to work through. It, it definitely is, and there were definitely a lot of trades in this draft. Uh, Sidlo, like, what do you think about? I don't feel like you maybe made as many trades, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure, but uh, what's your thoughts on the on the the trading? Like, like I said, like. To me, I, I, Scott really wanted that quarterback. He, he traded a, an eight um, up to a, a, or traded a three down to an eight to move up from two to one. So, are you make? Would you ever be willing to make a trade like that, or how do you look at the trading in in the start of drafts? Yeah, so uh, this was by far the least trading I've ever done um, for whatever reason. I don't know. It, it wasn't intentional. <laughs> um, usually, I'm the guy who's holding up the draft because I'm trading back like 74 times. Uh, I mean, that's, and that's how my other one went, in fact. Um, But in this case, you know, I think there's a couple of factors. I mean, the time of year is definitely one. There's so much uncertainty. And I know we waited until kind of free agency had had kicked in there to actually start the draft uh, so we can get a little bit of clarity, but really nothing changed. So um, especially from the quarterback standpoint not a whole lot of clarity um, has come to this point from the end of last season to now, you know, I mean, there's been a few changes obviously. Uh, But I think because of that, there's such a gap between those top quarterbacks. And I, I definitely, um, I think we actually Rocky, we might've talked about this uh, where (laughs) I don't know if you sent out like a a trade offer or somebody did, it was like two in the morning. It might've been Justin, Right. And he and he accepted it to to do the the move up to get two quarterbacks. And I, I would have absolutely accepted that because there was one in my inbox, but it had already been accepted. I would have done that trade, too. Yes. Uh, yeah, to get two elite quarterbacks. Yeah, it was rocky. I sent out like five of them to trade out of the first round. Yeah, <laughs> waking up to an offer and then uh, excuse me. I know I, I, there was offer in the middle of the night. So I woke up. Uh, yes. Early in the morning, I see the offer, but then I also see that it's already been revoked. And yes. I was like, what happened? Like, come on. Yeah, I, I would have 100% done that. Uh, yeah, you got, you could have offered. You guys had to all know I was trying to trade out of the first round anyway. So, True. Um, <laughs> I think one thing to, um, to just add to this, though, is we're pre-draft, too. And I think part of doing a startup at this point is I'm very comfortable with and I don't know for sure because I don't know what everyone's going to do, but I'm about 80% sure exactly how this rookie draft is going to look. And so I basically said, 
I'm going to be weak at running back and receiver. And so I know that the quarterback scarcity is going to continue into the rookie draft. So we know what this class is going to look like. We're probably going to see at least five quarterbacks go before I pick in the middle of the second round. Two PPR for tight ends. Who knows? There could be definitely one, maybe two, maybe three tight ends that go before then. So it's like you can almost kind of play off the what you think the rookie draft's going to look like. And this is the best time to try to do that because we're three weeks away. I think we can all probably go through in our heads and say, okay, I'm sitting at the 204. I probably know what's going to likely be on the board. If I'm searching tight end or quarterback, I'm probably out of luck. And with this class at running back, you know, you pretty much I know what I'm going to be locked in there. So that kind of helped me also fade some other positions in the startup. You know, I basically faded receiver outside of a couple guys, just knowing I'm going to probably end up having to take a couple receivers with some of the mid second round picks. And I thought they were cheaper than the ones on the board. So I think that's supplementing with rookie picks at this time of the year. You try to do that in January when you have no idea even who's going to come out for the draft or what the tiers are going to look like. It's a lot harder. And if you're doing this in July where you're just drafting rookies, you're not getting as good a value on some of those picks. They're less flexible. They're less ambiguous. So I think it really is the timing of when you're doing the startup that matters most. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And that's exactly why I took the 108 and the 202 because I wanted top 14 picks um, knowing probably not only who I thought would be there, but what my roster looked like. I thought I needed two top 14 picks to, to make sense, whether, whether it was to help my roster now or just value, you know, when we get to that point and then I can move those picks. It, it almost feels like when it comes to rookie draft season, specifically um, with this kind of startup that's taking place just before the rookie draft, it almost feels like if you even if you don't necessarily have a good idea of the picks themselves uh, as to who may be landing in these spaces, if you get into startups or if you get into this position where um, maybe you might be not sure who to take, the picks at least allow you the flexibility, as, as Scott mentioned earlier, to determine almost like almost like delaying. Uh, just delaying having to pay the piper. Okay, this buys me a little bit more time to figure out if this pick is going to really appreciate in value because this is a quality class, or hey, can I hurry up and flip this pick to something that I feel like is going to be worth something come the 2021 season? Because as we look at this right now, I don't feel very good about it. It, it. The picks in the startup give you so much flexibility and, and allow you to take some more time to breathe, gather more information. And I think that that information is incredibly valuable, uh, as I mentioned earlier, with forecasting uh, the landscape or forecasting what your team looks like. Or, hey, can I can I push these picks? Can I take these late first or these early seconds? And can I go ahead and try to hurry up and flip this into a 2022 first or a 2023 first? Can I, can I, get, can I get more value and have more time later to determine what I want to do uh, to further uh, take take over the league per se. And I'm glad you guys brought up the rookie picks because uh, yeah, I mean, I was going to ask about that. Like, how how do you determine when you want to take a rookie pick? Because uh, in these pre-draft startups, uh, you know, you generally always put the rookie picks in there, and I I always seem to look at it like would I would I trade this player for that pick? And 
Uh, are you just adding more value even to that pick because of the flexibility it gives you after the startup? Even over, even if say outside of the startup, you would not necessarily trade like the the, the one hundred and four, for example, uh, went ahead of J.K. Dobbins, which I maybe some people would, but J.K. Dobbins' value is super high. A lot of people I don't think would trade him for the 104, or maybe you guys would. But is that basically how you look at it? You're giving it even more value than you would outside of a startup just to have the flexibility afterwards? I, I know that Scott's got some got really good stuff in reference to this that I know he's talked <laughs> through before. I want to get this out real quick. The It was so profound to me, and I had to – like I, I've replayed this in my mind so many times. I listened to Scott on i believe it was honestly trades hq and scott was talking through or someone asked a question about the two to three year window two to three year window i feel like that's the standard dynasty response i'm working in this two to three year window and uh what scott said in that moment uh, when they he said i look at this a little bit differently and this was uh, again about maybe a year year and a half ago he said i i don't work in windows i work with assets and he, I remember him saying that and just like my, everything melted in the chair that I was sitting in. I just felt like, oh, that's like, that's it. That's exact. Like that's Nirvana. Oh, I'm done. Like that was, that was the pinnacle of, of at least for me, just having it click. Like I don't necessarily want to work in windows. I know that everybody's trying to saying that they're working in windows. I just want to continue to work with the, the assets and trying to, uh, obviously, there are players that I love, and I'm I'm going to try to do a lot to to be able to obtain those kind of players if if I feel that kind of way about them. Right? Uh, it's not to say I want to have fun, but also uh, when it comes to the picks and when it comes to the assets, uh, I want my assets to be flexible, and I want my assets uh, to have worth to as many people as possible, so that again it opens up my window uh, to be able to work deals with so with uh, as many people as possible if necessary. But I know Scott's got a lot of good stuff with that, but I had to get that out because that that is so, again, simplest thing, but it really hit a, uh, turned a light bulb on for me a while back, and I've and I've not looked back uh, when it comes to to, to working with Dynasty uh, assets. Yeah, I mean, I and I remember saying that, and I think it, it it's something that it it took me a few years to really start thinking that way too, because you are tempted when you're in a startup draft. I mean, we're not going to go through the entire board here, but. You know, just for some context, I mean, we're at the point where, you know, I got the 205 in the rookie draft and I ended up with the 205, the 206 and the 207. And I don't know why y'all let me get three picks in a row, because that just gives me even more leverage in that section of the draft. I'm kind of also playing it like you take your shots, you go through, you project where you think the rookie draft values are going to fall. I'm probably going to be stuck with the best player available is going to be most likely receivers at that point. I'm almost banking on that's what it's going to be. But I have flexibility with three picks in a row. But also, I mean, you had you had players like Taysom Hill going off the board around before I got the 205. You're never getting the 205 for Taysom Hill, especially right now. You might be able to get that in August if he has a shot of being the starter. And then you have other running backs, you know, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. Like you're struggling to get that pick for those guys ever. I mean, that best chance you'd maybe be able to get that value for them would be during the season, but you can see this board. So I'm sitting there going like, okay, the picks are the clear value, but like J Mike said, it doesn't matter if I just grab the picks because I can now wait. I get the benefit. Maybe it's a 10% advantage. I don't have the numbers on what it is, 
but it's literally 10% because I don't have to pick right now. I basically can wait and get the same deal on my money with more information six weeks from now when we have the rookie draft. I mean, that that's basically it. Brian Malone taught me this back in 2016. He basically said, if you're going to do a startup at this time, the best value is just to literally take every single rookie pick. And people get scared. They go, well, if I leave this draft with 18 of the top 36 rookie picks, there's no way I'm going to field a team that's going to win. But then you just got to be able to grind when you're on the clock in the rookie draft and try to make some deals. And you may not. You may not get any deals. You may. The worst thing I can have happen to me with all the rookie picks that I have, I think I left this draft with eight of the top 32 picks. The worst thing you guys can do to me with these picks is make me draft a rookie in every single one of those slots. I'm losing value. As soon as I hit select on, you know, I'll never take this player, but Jamar Jefferson, let's say I take him at the 207, right? As soon as I draft him, I just lost value on that pick because now he's slotting in against Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon. And I think it's arguable you might rather have those guys in a two to three year window. But I'm banking that I'm going to be able to move around the board. And I'm banking that even if I have to go best player available, it gives me a lot more flexibility. So really it is just assets and flexibility. And if we're doing this draft in August, and let's just say there's just rookies in the draft, I bet you that tier of players look a lot different. So it's just it's just when you're doing the draft. I've said that four times, but J Mike hit the nail on the head. I'm just literally going for, you know, I get six more weeks before I have to act on those picks. And if anybody wants them, come get them. So so you hear that everybody uh, that's listening that's in this startup, did you not trade for Scott's startup picks is what I'm hearing. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, but Sid, though, any thoughts uh, on rookie picks before we move on? Yeah, I don't, I don't have much to add to that. I mean, that's that's I learned that from you, Scott, and I mean that's something I, I still carry with me. So I I definitely, um, you know, like I said earlier, I wanted two of the top fourteen picks, and then after that, uh, I see where I screwed up is I didn't actually take a tight end early, and in the two in the two point and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack a second, and I'll come back to this. I'll make it quick though. So at, at pick three hundred two, I ended up taking Dalvin Cook super weird for me like to me he's old i don't think i have any shares of him anywhere because i would have bailed on him already um but just look at his scoring 24 points a week okay right within a point of herbert Tannehill, camara lamar jackson okay so this guy this is this scoring for this league that's what he did last year okay so that's ahead of waller kittle uh, basically everybody but kelsey right so if I'm putting points in my lineup, that was giving me more points than those tight ends. So I went with that pick as the draft went on. I didn't like the tight ends where they were and they were probably drafted a little higher because it's two point, you know, two PPR for tight ends. I, I get it. It's valuable. I normally do take a stud tight end early. So at that 10, 11 turn, I believe it was, um, I ended up taking some young tight ends as opposed to taking those rookie picks that I probably would have been better off taking those mid seconds and then maybe turning them into uh, a tight end once situations became more clear, or maybe, you know, somebody ended up with actually there were a couple guys that ended up with like four or five starting tight ends. I may have been able to, to create some value there. So um, I think that it absolutely makes sense that, taking rookie picks 
in the startup it's it's the it's the best way to create that one of the best ways to create value and i was always the guy that like i didn't want the rookie picks in the startup i'm like i just want to make sure i have some you know i don't want to have to pick them I, I i just want you know just give me some give me my four rookie picks i don't even care how you determine it if it's reverse of the the startup order or whatever like i just want those assets to be able to move up or down in the startup but now, after seeing this the last couple of years, uh, finding that value and making sure you get those picks in the startup, that's it's absolutely huge uh, because it also allows you to have a lot of flexibility within your roster construction. You can go any different way whatsoever. You don't. You can say, all right, maybe I'm not a, a compete now team, but when you have those assets and then you're on the clock and you're able to turn them into veterans, maybe you can turn it into a win now team. Or again, you're just going to, generate future assets too. So there's, there's a lot of different ways you can go creating that flexibility. And, uh, you know, like I said, I learned that all from Scott. So, I mean, you know, half the guys in the league are already doing that. So it's not that I can do it any better. I just had to pick and choose my spots of where to get those picks. And, uh, one last thing on the rook picks. I'm, I'm just wanted to say, I'm, I'm generally with you guys. I usually end up with more rookie picks than I end up with uh, within this drift in a minute. Uh, we're going to get more into kind of our specific teams, uh, in most drafts, I usually try to get at least the first, the second, the third, and the fourth, like 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 you would have in a rookie draft at the very least, and it just didn't work out here. Um, I agree with Sky. I, I was looking to it that those seconds, I do think he definitely made out. Uh, you know, in those mid seconds, uh, a lot of those guys you may have trouble getting a mid second four. Unfortunately, I didn't have any picks in those range in that range because of some of my trading around, but. Uh, I do think some of the first I was a little went a little earlier than I would have thought, but some of the seconds and, and thirds and stuff went later than I would have thought. Um, but I do want to get into kind of how this specific draft played out and give people an idea of, of what each of our teams look like. So uh, I'm again going to start with Scott just because I already had that one up here. Um, so anyone that's uh, you know listening here, this is what he ended up with basically uh, of the key players. It's uh, Herbert and Lamar quarterback. Um, he has no third, but he also has the 102 and the 106, which either one of those could potentially be a quarterback. Uh, he's got AJ Dillon, Kenyon Drake, uh, are basically the only significant guys really at running back. He's got Damian Williams, P. Ryan, Penny, guys that could pay off. He's got Ayuk and uh, Judy, uh, Tyler Lockett, Curtis Samuel, uh, MBS, and a few other guys at receiver. And then uh, he uh, did draft some Titans, Evan Ingram, Harrison Bryant, uh, Josh Oliver in Baltimore, Jason Sternberger. And then he's got a bunch of picks, as he said, 102, 106, 205, 206, 207, 302, 304, 306. And as he mentioned, he picked up some 23s because I know Scott loves that 2023 class. Uh, I think he's got three firsts there. So basically, as I go to each of you and run off your teams, I want to ask – did did basically end up how you expected your team to look going in, and if not, what happened, or or how did you adjust to anything? Uh, is this basically what you were hoping for coming into this draft, Scott? It was. I think um, again, right now with where we're doing this draft in April, uh, one of my strategies has been, you know, go pull up. I'll just throw out DLF because it's what a lot of people use for ADP. Go pull up the DLF ADP and look at the running backs from like. 25 to 65 and you have a couple guys in there that do have some stability ronald jones melvin gordon i think we can probably project those guys to be 
at least decent chunk parts of a committee for 2021. But after that, you know, when you start getting down into, you know, the Steelers backs and the Patriots backs, and I mean, you can literally go 30 to 40 deep. And I couldn't tell you where they're going to shake out from now between now and August. So I kind of look at it and say, my first approach was if I'm going to punt running back, I want to leave the draft with 10 to 12 of those guys that are inside the top 60 to 70 running backs. And my goal just being, I want to hit on a group that are going to be on an active depth chart opening day. Even if they're all backups, I'm willing to kind of punt, especially that RB2 spot. Statistically, it is the least valuable spot on a dynasty roster when you're not in a point per carry league. So that's another thing to shout out is if you don't have a running back that you think can get top eight, top nine on a season, you're basically just drafting placeholders, which is fine. I mean, they're valuable, but it's not worth paying the current market price. So, you know, that's, that was part of my strategy. I did think the running back swell just kept happening and happening. I didn't get as many of those guys as I wanted. I would have liked to, you know, the picks where I took Valdez Scantling and KJ Hamler. I, I wish they would have been some running backs. I liked a little bit more. Uh, especially with those mid-seconds, because I'm probably going to be able to get three top two round receivers with those mid-seconds. So I'm not worried about receiver with how this draft shook out. And I did, I really valued those top six picks because knowing the quarterback scarcity here, I'm now super flexible. I can take my choice of the top quarterback after Lawrence at 102. I can take Kyle Pitts at 102 and immediately lock in a top four tight end right there. I punted tight end, but now I may be able to get my hands on one of the elite tight ends in dynasty. That could be the tight end one. I think Kyle Pitts will be the tight end one in dynasty in one year, just based on the way the community has already reacted to his hype. So I have significant flexibility. I can go Pitts at one Oh two. Okay. You guys may leave me the quarterback four or five, but that's still going to be really good value in this draft. So I, I did strategically try to pick rookie picks that fit with my roster. The only thing I kind of regret is I didn't get enough running backs. I'm going to have to be active on the waiver wire. You know, I may have to pick up just four or five more bodies and just hope I can get myself through the season. And if I have to make a trade, I will. But that's what I was okay punting. I'm fine basically going zero running back in startups right now. And it's funny you say that about Pitts too, because because you have 106. If you take Pitts at one and two, you're basically assuring as long as you're okay with any of those five quarterbacks, you'll still get one with the other pick. Right. Um, yep. So uh, let me go to – basically been going uh, Scott, J. Mike, Sidlow. So I'll move on to J. Mike. I'll read off his team real fast, and then we can we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, as he mentioned, he got Dak and Mahomes with those two first-round picks. Uh, he did pick up Teddy later as a third, which doesn't look so good, but he also has some draft picks. So <laughs> um, he's got – at running back, he, like, like Scott said, I mean, they basically mirrored the teams here. He's – the, the best guy here is probably Miles Gaskin. Uh, he's got Carlos Hyde, Anthony McFarland, Sony Michelle, P. Ryan, who maybe picked up a little additional value today with the uh, Geo getting cut. Uh, and uh, at receiver, he's got A.J. Brown, Gallup, Keelan Cole, uh, and John Ross. That's actually it. And at tight end, he got Goddard and Tanyan. Uh, and also Gronk and Gerald Everett and Tyler Conklin. But he's also got a load of picks, 105, 109, 110, 201, 208, 301, 307, 308, 312, 401. So, um, and 
and he also picked up an extra 2023 first. So again, <laughs> mirroring Scott a little bit. But uh, so Jay, Mike, did this again? I'm going to ask the same question to, to all of you guys. Did this play out how you expected it would when you went into the draft? Um, and and what if any you know adjustments did you have to make on the fly? I I, I don't I don't know that it worked out quite how I thought. Simply because. Uh, I feel like early in the draft it did, and I was very confident in recognizing that I would be just fine with continuing to draft or take draft picks because you get in this certain area in the draft and you start looking at uh, this this idea again of the, of the assets, and there are just so many players that you can take who seem like they're safe for 2021 or seem like they have somewhat of a role for 2021, uh, but then the cliff falls off. And I just don't want uh, my roster. I didn't want my roster in this league to be void of flexibility, to be void of young talent. And uh, I knew a few things to be true. I knew that I was getting Patrick Mahomes at one-on-one because nobody would want to trade up to, to try to really uh, – pay that price to get up there and I knew that I wanted someone like the likes of Dak and Lamar I think I took him at like 107 and uh, I can't remember if they both made it to me or not but I think at some point it, it got to me and I don't I think Lamar went to pick before me so what what I was faced with was Dak versus Watson and I was like this is that's easy money like I'm not, I'm not dealing with this Deshaun Watson mess uh, and I knew that I wanted AJ Brown because I haven't uh, I think I'm in probably nine, ten leagues, and I don't have AJ Brown, like no anywhere. So it's like I got, I gotta have AJ Brown. I love AJ Brown. I've been super excited about AJ Brown. Uh, so, so I, I know I wanted to make that happen. Um, take a bunch of the running backs that may have some sort of a value value within the year. Uh, maybe they stick on my team if I'm making some sort of a run, or maybe it's a case where I'm flipping them to someone to help them with their run and extracting any and all value that I can from that asset. Uh, before it becomes uh, a, a dead, a dead, a dead fruit, if you will. Uh, but one of the things that I knew that I wanted to do in this league was with the with the ability to start as many flex options as we could. I just wanted to be able to get a bunch of these tight ends that people may not be super excited about, uh, and to just be able to run them out there weekly. And if a tight end in a two point per reception league is going to run out there and get me four for forty four and a touchdown. All of a sudden, they've smashed as a flex. Uh, they, they've smashed as a, as a flex in this league. So, uh, I, I find that really intriguing to be able to, to to be able to do that. So, I've got tight ends to, to be able to really play around with that two points per per reception. But um, it, it was the middle rounds and being able to take as many picks as I did. I didn't I didn't foresee taking as many, but I knew that I would be okay doing so. Um, so I don't know exactly how I would have envisioned my team aside from what at the top, which happened exactly the way that I wanted it to. Uh, and, and we'll see where the chips fall from there. But I'm excited about the flexibility. I'm excited about uh, being able to just bludgeon people's heads in <laughs> at quarterback each week. I, I just find that I just find that part of it fun, even though I may be uh, at, a, at a deficit and at running back. I'm OK with that. And sadly, it, it puts Scott and I in the same place of uh, really – um, what's what's the word like dumpster diving, if you will, when it comes to these running backs every week, we're like filtering through all of the muck and the mire. Like, why are y'all picking up Jonathan Ward? Like, what are y'all doing? Listen, man, we, we you never know, you never know. So, 
uh, yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited about how it how it shook out and uh, how how it moves forward. And, and to your guys' points about the flexibility too, I mean, you have 105, 109, 110. If you if you did decide to bypass quarterback, I mean, you could conceivably end up with the, the two or three even running backs of the you know the three good tie guys at the top at those spots, depending on how the other other picks go. Especially if if Scott's picking Kyle Pitts at 102, uh, <laughs> but uh, Scott. Well, uh, Sidlow, we'll go to yours, uh, and uh, and then you can get into you know how you thought it played out compared to what you were expecting going in. Uh, Scott Sidlow's team is uh, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen as his two quarterbacks. Uh, doesn't really have a legit third. Uh, has Dalvin Cook, as he mentioned, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, Alexander Madison, Gus Edwards at running back. Keenan Allen, Chase Claypool, Allen Robinson, Henry Ruggs, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Denzel Mims, Paris Campbell, wide receiver as the main guys, and uh, tight end, uh, Komet, uh, and basically a bunch of Adam Troutman maybe and a bunch of guys. He's got Parham, Moreau, Sample, Jared Cook. He did get 108, 302, 311. Um, doesn't have much in future draft capital beyond uh, this year. So uh, just as he kept, it looks like he kept all his picks, but didn't pick up much extra. So uh, does, I just have an extra second and uh, fourth next year. So Scott, again, same question that I, I've been given everybody. Uh, how do you think it played out compared to what you were expecting going in? So part of every startup for me is a balance of, my portfolio, right? So I'm in a lot of leagues and I have to make some decisions on, you know, where, where I want to be with certain players. So in the startup, I started two days before this one. Um, I also had the 102 and I took Kyler in that one. So this one, I decided to go Josh Allen, um, might've went Watson, if not for everything going on there just because I have so much Herbert and uh, Dak already. So um, it really came down to Allen or Murray. So I took Murray in one, I took Allen in this one. Um, And then essentially seeing with, you know, we talked about at the top of this, uh, all the quarterbacks that went early on and and knowing, you know, how many more quarterbacks were going to go. So I decided to swing for the fences a little bit. I went with Jalen Hurts and, um, I believe that was before all the, all the trades happened with the NFL draft. So, you know, I think the Eagles were still at six at that time. Um, And there were kind of rumors of maybe taking a quarterback still, whatever. But I just figured, you know what, I'm going to swing for the fences there. I mean, my other options I think were like Baker um, and I don't, I don't even know, like Tua, Kirk Cousins. So I, I figured, you know what, I'll swing for the fences here and then I'll figure it out from there. Um, and then that's where Delvin cook fell to me at three Oh two. And I just thought that was just crazy for what he does. Uh, so, you know, maybe he'll help me win now or I'll be able to trade him, whatever. Um, and then I really ended up with a lot of guys that I don't even like, uh, but it, it just came down to like the hate has gone too far. Uh, so, uh, a few specific guys would be like Clyde Edwards, Alaire. I mean, him going so far behind the other four running backs from last year was just silly. Like in the, like almost the fifth round, like really, I mean, he's on the chiefs, uh, you know, I mean, if, you know, they got rid of Damian Williams, um, you know, with my luck, they'll probably like, you know, 
trade for Saquon Barkley or something. But um, I mean, I just felt like with Clyde, with uh, Henry Ruggs, um, specifically uh, some of those guys, Chase Claypool, uh, I just feel like those guys, their value is going to go up. So even if I don't like them, that's fine. It's easier for me to trade them. It's a lot easier to trade guys you don't like. So, uh, you know, why not? I just felt like the the value for those guys where I got them, I think I, I can turn them into more. Um, you know, and then at tight end, I've got some of my favorite young guys and uh, Cole Komet, Adam Troutman. And then I've got the uh, ultimate mercenary, Jared Cook, going to the Chargers to play with Herbert. And um, he knows that system already, too. So he'll be able to step right in and, and produce for me right now if I, if I want to go win now. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting combination of, of youth and veterans. Um, I don't have a – I mean, Rocky said I don't have a ton of future draft capital, but, I mean, I, I, I have all of my picks. Like, I didn't, I didn't get rid of anyone. I didn't move up anywhere i don't believe i only moved back and picked up a couple um so i feel like there's going to be enough value hopefully with the guys i took to turn them into future assets so overall um not a normal startup for me uh but also i kind of i mean when you're in a league with rocky and dustin and scott connor and j mike and hogue i mean you you want to win you want to beat these guys so like if i win this year and then never win again whatever i can say i beat them once so that that's really all it's about and it's funny you say that because that's as i get into my team that's definitely going to be kind of the theme here uh i will run down my team and then and then say what my thoughts were on how my draft went which was not surprisingly my quarter i did not plan to wait as long on quarterback as I did, but did, beyond just that first round, which we all know is, is you know, tons of quarterbacks, it, it was second round, third round, where all the quarterbacks were going higher than I wanted. So I ended up with – I did end up with potentially three starters and Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and Cam Newton, though all, all may not be playing next year. Uh, I also have Taylor Heineke, who I thought maybe could end up starting some games. I, I drafted him late. Uh, at running back, I have Kamara and Aaron Jones, uh, Naheem Hines, James Conner, who does not have a team, uh, and Jamal Williams at receiver, uh, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyler Boyd, Robbie Anderson, Cole Beasley, Julio Jones, and tight end, I have Waller and Kelsey, uh, as well as Ferkser, um, and uh, Dan Arnold. And I have... Unlike these guys, I have no first-round picks. I only have 305, 406, 411. I mostly bypass the picks. I do have most of my future picks. I do not have a 2022 first because I used it in a trade-up and didn't pull it back. And for me, it actually did not play out exactly as I planned. I knew, obviously, that I was going to bypass on all those early quarterbacks. I purposely traded out of the first round. And, and I also plan to get uh, – I, I because of the, the 2.0 tight end premium, I really wanted to get – two of those three guys. And I ended up with three picks in the second round. I was able to grab two of the big three. Uh, Hogue traded up and I was thinking about taking all three of them, but Hogue traded up in there and, and sniped Kittle from me. And uh, my team again is very quote unquote old, but I definitely think can win uh, this year. Uh, there's definitely a lot of guys. Part of the reason too, I was okay waiting on quarterback as long as I did 
uh, in this scoring format, I mean, I, and with the caveat that past production does not necessarily equal future production, but Waller and Kelsey last year were basically in the in the mid. Kelsey was like a mid QB one scoring wise. Waller was, a, I think, a low end one or high end two. Adams was a low end one, high end two relative to the quarterbacks. You know, I have to bank on these guys to keep up similar performances. Um, but basically, at some point, I just kind of leaned into the whole old thing. This is not generally. I am win now, but the, I don't generally go this hard. In Trade Addicts 9, as I mentioned earlier, I, I employed a similar strategy of trading out of the first round, picking up seconds and thirds, and ended up with guys like A.J. Brown and uh, DeAndre Swift. And, and, you know, I, I don't like to go this low. It just seemed to be where the value fell to me. Uh, I, I don't worry about age as much as, as, as some players do. I, 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 I And I'm with Scott. I figure if I can, if I can win this year – even if I end up not being able to move these guys later and, and a lot of them die on my roster, uh, I'll take the rebuild in two years and, and, and cash in on my title. So uh, that's where I'm at with it. And I guess the last thing before we uh, finish up here is just uh, I'm very curious, especially I know this is definitely not a, a team like, say, for instance, Scott Connor, whatever drafts is. So what do you think about the team I drafted there, Scott? And I want to ask everybody what they think about other people's teams. Well, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't be a team that I would draft, but there's also, you know, Sid brought it up a little bit earlier. You know, I'm playing in a lot of leagues, so I am kind of looking at this also from a standpoint of it's a lot less stressful when you get to the offseason and you don't have to worry about, okay, I have four quarterbacks on my team. Three of them don't have jobs. One of them may have a guy that gets drafted in the top three on the same team. It's pretty stressful when you're stuck with, you know, picture if you have a team right now, I'm working on a team that I'm trying to improve heading into the rookie auction where I have basically Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jameis Winston. Now I could really get away with maybe winning with that team. I could get to opening week and I may have, I may struggle to have one quarterback that's starting. And you know, we're seeing a new trend in the NFL to where two things. One, running backs are starting to get paid a little bit. And maybe that's because we had a great class in 2017. But they've kind of kicked the can forward to where they're not fading away like we necessarily thought. I think you can go out and buy Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. I mean, if you want to pay 80 to 90% of what they should cost, they're attainable now. People are in, were willing to sell those guys in leagues and they're still elite running backs. I mean, if Sid starts out 0-5 in this league, you better bet he's shopping Dalvin Cook. So he's going to be attainable. We're going to see that again in 2020. All the running backs from last year, in by 2023, they're going to be coming up for contracts. And I think they're going to get them the way the NFL is trending right now. So I think, you know, we're looking at running backs in a pocket to where you can fade. You can play win now at running backs. But if you're also doing that at quarterback – it's just a lot of moving parts, and the NFL is not giving the same insulation to quarterbacks anymore. They're willing to start rookie quarterbacks right away. They're willing to get rid of that rookie quarterback within two or three years. So it's actually valuable to have the rookie quarterbacks that get drafted high because they're usually immediate starters. And the back end, you know, if you have one of the back 30% quarterbacks every single year, you almost have to go into the offseason assuming that they're going to be on the chopping block every single year. I don't think what we've seen the last two years – Last year and this year, I don't think that's going to change. Teams are going to go into the offseason and say, man, if I have if I have an average quarterback and I'm picking in the top 10, it, it's up for debate. 
And what happens when those quarterbacks are, you know, what happens to Drew Locke? Even if he's starting, his value is in the tank. It's in the tank until he's starting week one. So I don't want to go into the offseason with a bunch of quarterbacks that are on the back end. So that, that would be my only criticism is that's going to be a stressful roster that you're going to have to turn around, Rocky, and you may not, you may not have a window to sell those quarterbacks. It's going to be a very narrow window. If you're not winning, you need to find a team that needs them. Otherwise, they could be completely done by January of next year. So just not the way that I want to build teams if I'm doing it and I have a clean slate. Uh, yeah, and I agree with you. I'm not going to be able to to sell, I don't think, any of those quarterbacks. I, I'm just – I, you know, Scott, I think that I'm just generally comfortable with uh, – if I have to buy someone else in that bottom 30% as Ben Roethlisberger retires next year or Tom Brady retires, yep. I'll just keep recycling it. And usually you don't have, as you said, you don't have to kind of what you said too, is that, is that I, the way I look at it is that with, you're right. The quarterback turnover is, is crazy. You know, the way we're, the way the NFL is going right now. So I just look at that as more opportunity for me to be able to snag guys at a cheaper value because they don't have security. So uh, it's just a different way of playing that. That's the way I go at it so that I can get these, you know, Adamses and, and uh, Kamara's and in other leagues, like I said, AJ Browns, DeAndre Swift's, that kind of thing. Um, but that's the way I look at it. But uh, Jamie, look, you might have something to say there. Yeah, I was just going to add that. That's I think one of the beauties of your team, with as much trading back as you did on a week to week basis, when you <clears throat> when you are staring your opponent in the eye week after week next season. I mean, your tight end position, Kelsey Waller. You're not going to see people run out combinations better than that. Wide receiver, Hopkins, Adams. And, okay, crap, Hopkins is hobbled this week. I've got Julio that I'm running out there. Or, or you know, and 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 even at running back, like with Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara, we, we know their heights. So week in and week out, while, um, again, probably not a team that I'm drafting, you you really can't be mad at week to week uh, as long as the injury bug doesn't really decimate you. I'm not knocking on wood for that, mind you. I'm okay if it does bite you, <laughs> um, but but just in general, if if, if for whatever it, a reason it does bite, you're still looking at high end top part of your roster from a position by position basis. You're going to be competing with the you know the majority if not every single team week in and week out there, uh, and just hoping that you can get anything from your quarterback. Uh, position. So um, I, I think I, I think it was really interesting what you did. Uh, I really can't be mad at, at what you put together in terms of the, the group that you'll be rolling out weekly. But um, but for me, again, and, and we've talked about it before, but the, the peace of mind, uh, specifically at quarterback, is being OK with. All right. These are the guys that I'm, I'm pushing out every week. Hey, good luck dealing with these with, with, with these jokers I got right here, right? These these ace of spades and clubs I'm I'm, I'm throwing down on the table right now. So, uh, but but uh, but otherwise, uh, obviously it's a strong team. It's a, it, I am I am very excited uh, to see how how this works out for you moving forward. Yeah, and and just one more thing to the to before we, and we'll move on from my team uh, is just that I also didn't expect to go. Uh, with those two elite receivers, well, yeah, two elite receivers there. I, I've been kind of sort of fading wide receiver, which is something I've learned from Scott. Uh, but 
the one thing he also does say is if you can get those target hogs, and that's what I figured with those two, and even Julio, if he can stay healthy, and he didn't go to like the ninth round. I, I wasn't planning on drafting Julio, but he was still hanging around there. So uh, I generally, and uh, I've done two other startups this year, and I, I don't have two to three of Julio's healthy elite receivers, uh, but but that's just the way it worked out here. Uh, Sidlow, uh, I, I, I want to get off of my team because we, we spent way too much time on my team. What, what do you think about uh, how, how, especially since they ended up with similar builds, about what Scott and uh, J Mike did? You know, uh, really quick, I was just going to say with your team and my team, I, I actually see a lot of similarities just with the fact that the opposite being you have the two stud tight ends, I have two potentially top five quarterbacks. So I'll be curious to see how they perform, right? Because I think we're both going to try to win this year or at least the first few weeks, you know, and we can kind of see how that goes. Um, but I, I'm curious to see how they perform weekly points-wise uh, with, you know, with me having the tight end, you having the tight ends, me having the quarterbacks. But otherwise, I feel like we're fairly evenly matched with with running back receiver there. Um, but, yeah, as far as, uh, you know, Scott and J. Mike's teams are, are – a lot more of what I'm used to having. So I, you know, like I feel even though like, it's uh, like right now it's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I should have a better team this year, but like, I'm so used to having that roster where I don't have any running backs, you know, and, and I have a lot of future picks stacked up. And so um, that's my norm. And, and by having, being comfortable with that and used to that like i i feel confident for them so now it's now the challenge is for me to be like okay if i try to win this year you know go all in whatever um how can i also try to compete down the line how can i turn these players into assets further because i feel like your roster rocky is is older than mine like when we're saying like we have old rosters i actually don't think i have an old roster so I'm kind of looking at it like, hey, maybe maybe I'm somewhere like in the middle here. Um, although I find it very interesting. I think we'll get into more with uh, if if we end up having Hogan, um, how his team looks with all those quarterbacks versus how your team looks with no quarterbacks. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it's it's really different. Paul Paul Petrella, Paul Paul Petrella in the building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's uh that's wild that's wild i i think um this is going to be such an interesting league right because we have so many philosophies colliding here and um there are you know a lot of similarities there's a lot of differences uh, but to kind of see how this goes i think it, it will be an interesting case study on on different strategies and something that we can revisit a year from now and say all right how did this work out uh, you know, what can we do differently? What can we learn from this? So um, very different, very interesting. Yeah, and I just want to say uh, in reference to Scott and JMA's teams, that, again, it's not how I generally would ever build it because I, I don't go for two elite quarterbacks. But I do envy that flexibility they've been mentioning. I, I do. I wish I had gotten – find a way to get more picks. Like I said, I just – I sort of leaned into the – the win now thing as the draft kept going along and I kept drafting older players. Um, I, I kind of wish though I had some of that flexibility uh, and, and, you know, had one of those one Oh fives or one Oh sixes, something like that. 
Um, you know, really quick, mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you guys. You know, when I first started getting like hardcore super flex, I was like, oh, you got to have like four starting quarterbacks. I mean, what if you have an injury? What if you have a bye week? Yeah, you got to have so many quarterbacks. Um, and then I started kind of getting down to like, you know what? Uh, you know, you you can you can live a week or two with only starting one. You know, so like if you have elite players in the other positions, you know, you can survive. And so Rocky, I'd say, man, you have a great shot this year, right? Because you'll figure it out with those three guys, you know, future wise, you know, next year, I don't know. But at least for this year, yeah, you're 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 good. Um, And now I'm kind of like now I'm kind of leaning towards like I don't mind having two on my roster as long as they both have top five upside, you know, like that, like that's fine with me. But like you know, Scott or J Mike, I don't know how you guys feel about that at this point. Are you comfortable having two? Do you feel like you need three, you know, or does it, does it just depend on your roster build? So, I mean, just to kind of address your question and then a point that Rocky made, you know, it, it'd be great to hear John Hogue on this show talking about his draft uh, in the future. I think one of the tactical mistakes he made though, was he drafted Drew Locke before the one twelve which is just crazy value. And I think the other tactical mistake, he drafted Andy Dalton before the 204. So way ahead of the market. But I think here's the other problem. And I I respect John and J. Mike hit it earlier. He's convicted. And that's one of the reasons I took the strategy that I did because I know he's so convicted in the way he's going to play. I had a pretty good feeling that he was going to go with that regardless of what the board looked like, right? But I think the problem that he's going to run into is J. Mike traded up for a quarterback. Justin Rogers traded up for a second quarterback. I traded up for a second quarterback. That's three people that are probably not interested in ever paying the Piper for his Drew Locke. If if Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson go down, I'm probably fine pushing this forward to the next year with the way my roster's built. So I think the the cornering the market with how everyone else built their team, I think that might have been the tactical error that he made is – He's not going to have any flexibility by having six quarterbacks. He has two that are probably going to expire on his roster this year. And then he has a couple other questionable ones in terms of their long-term dynasty value as well. So I think if you're going to go QBX, you got to go QBX with two elite quarterbacks. Then you can hoard the rest. Where you really do the damage is, man, if I have Justin Herbert and I have Lamar Jackson and I'm stealing Kirk Cousins from Rocky, and I'm stealing Cam Newton, that's where I'm doing the damage. If I reach on Tannehill and Rodgers, and then I try to continue to overreach on the quarterbacks, knowing how everyone else built their team, I think he's going to struggle. There's not going to be a lot of market for quarterbacks in this league specifically, I don't think. Because, you know, I look at someone like Rocky. If he loses two of his three quarterbacks, are you really going to go out and trade all your future draft capital for Drew Locke? You're probably going to just say, "Hey, I'm going to have to build that the quarterback room through the draft." Most likely, you're not going to keep keeping the kicking the can down the road and overpaying. So I think that's one of the mistakes. And then, um, and the, and the, I was just going to say, in this year, I, I I for at least a little while, I'd be trying to just figure that I can get away with Kelsey and Waller and Adams scoring as low end QB ones and and see how that plays out before I even think about going to Hogue for one of his quarterbacks. Right. And then the other thing is. I think there's a lot of meat on the bone for teams that are built the way that J Mike and I built to steal points elsewhere. The second part of my strategy, I don't want to give too much away because I know everyone in this freaking league is going to listen to this show. But I think with teams that are built this way, I can probably go and steal an extra three to 5% of upside 
by literally pivoting receiver to receiver and stacking my quarterback with a receiver on their team. If I have Russell Wilson and I have Robert Woods, why not go trade Robert Woods for Tyler Lockett? In a head-to-head game, that gives me probably a 5 to 10% better shot of winning a matchup simply by pivoting off of one receiver to another that's stacked with my quarterback. So J. Mike's in a perfect spot. He can go out and buy McCole Hardman. He can go out and buy, he has Michael Gallup stacked with Dak. He can go out and put together a couple stacks once we see this draft. Weekly ceiling, not with just Mahomes and Dak, but man, if he has a week where Mahomes hits Hardman for a touchdown and he hits Gallup for a touchdown, J. Mike's going to win. It doesn't matter what he's rolling out there at running back. So I think there's a lot of extra ways to gain points without actually having to go pay for it. And it's just because the way the, the dynasty market is. So that's another thing that I plan to do after rookie drafts. Go stack. That's easy, easy upside in a head-to-head game. And I plan to do it in this league too. So don't turn me down on those trades. <laughs> I was just going to say, so the lesson to take away from this, everybody listening is, don't trade for Scott's picks and don't give him stacks. Uh, exactly. But but Jay, <laughs> Mike, uh, I, it looked like a couple of times that as Scott and Scott were talking, you might have wanted to chime in. Any any final thoughts before we finish up here? I can't even remember half of what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, uh, Sid McCaskey and Scott were both crushing uh, with with their points. So I'm uh, I, I don't have much to offer. It, it, I said, what was even your question? You had asked me some sort of question regarding what I thought about something. I don't remember. Just to make it really simple. Do you feel like you need three starting quarterbacks in Superflex? Oh, gotcha. When, when uh, you're competing, when you're competing. Yeah, norm, norm, yeah normally, I'm, like I said, I'm, I, I ride with Hogue on QBX, and I ride with Hogue in, in reference to uh, just really building this stable that, Maybe people have to come in and pay for, or maybe it's just a case where if I have them, you don't, right? So, uh, and, and I'm okay with that game too. The the differentiator was, and this is again, I, this is the the one and only startup that I'm doing uh, this year. This is the first year in the one year where all the quarterbacks, 11 first round, 11 out of 12, here we are. By the time it got back to me at the uh, at, at in the second round, at the end of the at the end of the second round, uh, I'm looking, I'm I'm staring in the face, and I had traded one of those picks, obviously that uh, to to Dustin to be able to go up and get Dak. So I'm only looking at my 301, and with the 301, uh, I think that was the area where I ended up getting maybe I think that's where I got 105. I either got 105 there or AJ Brown. So like the picks were going quick. So between all the quarterbacks that went in the top fifteen, and then those first round picks, like Rocky, I know you were saying you you were slow, you know a little bit beating yourself up there. You're like, I wish I would have gotten more. I, I don't know where it was going to happen for you because you had already <laughs> traded back, uh, and, and all those things were starting to burn up between the quarterbacks and those first. They started going like hotcakes. So um, normally, I'm all about the quarterbacks. Bring me all of them. Um, and I'm happy to be able to to hoard them to some degree. If people even aren't willing to pay, that's fine too. Um, so so being being thinner is kind of is 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 foreign to me. But again, when I know that good, bad, and different matchup, these are the two guys that you're going to have to see and deal with. Like, you know, good luck. I, and I and I'm okay with that uh, specifically at this juncture. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. Even though it's not typically my uh, my strategy strategy du jour, if you will. 
And, and just to the quarterbacks, I was just looking at it as you were talking, Jay. Mike, yeah, 15 were gone by the 211. And uh, if you include 103 and 104, which may, may, you know, the first four might not. Scott mentioned possibly Pitts goes in there in a 2.0 tight end premium. But if you include those those two picks as quarterbacks, there were 21 by the end of the fourth. So, yeah, it, it was kind of insane even after the first round. Um, I guess I think that's pretty – unless anybody else has, like I said, any final thoughts they want to give. Uh, either Scott have anything else you want to uh, talk about in regards to the startup strategy before we sign off? No, I think it's uh, it'll be very interesting to see how things change over the next couple months and see really where the rookie picks slot in in terms of what becomes quarterback and what doesn't. Uh, but I think if you're going to go kind of how J. Mike and I build our teams, it, you really have to be fortunate enough to have an early startup pick too. If you're trying to go quarterback heavy and you do it at the back end of the startup, if you're at the 111, 112, you already know you're going to be reaching on two quarterbacks if you want to go QB, QB. And that's kind of what John Hogue did. So the worst thing you can almost do is double down and keep chasing QB because you're going to be at the back end of the runs every single time. Part of the strategy of getting two elite ones is I'm now banking that I give up that second and third round pick. Everyone else is going to reach. So by the time it gets back to me in the fourth or fifth, I'm still sitting there on second or third round startup players because everyone else reached on quarterback. So I think that's part of it. You know, really people can punish you for doing that and just not take the quarterbacks in that range. You know, if you're taking Kirk Cousins in the second or third, Every time one of those comes off the board, J. Mike can probably attest. I'm sitting there pumping my fist going, yeah, another quarterback, another quarterback. Boom. That just means my third, fourth, fifth, sixth round pick is going to be even better. So I think you do have to be cognizant of where you're picking. Uh, and if you're picking at the back end, you know, 111, 112 in a super flex startup, it's, uh, it's rough sledding. I, I think at that point you almost have to pivot and go away from what J. Mike and I talked about. So that'd be my final point. I tried to punish you guys with my five seconds and thirds, but everyone else wasn't going along with me. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a really good show. I appreciate you guys coming on, and I want to again just give you guys one chance to you know give your Twitter handles, uh, promote your stuff. So, uh, Scott, why don't you do that, and then I'll, I'll go to Jay, Mike. Yeah, man, this was a great discussion. Uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, I've podcasted with all of you uh, multiple times, so really love being here. Great discussion, great league. Shout out to the uh, the Tecmo theme league. Uh, everyone there was a great startup draft. You can find me at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter, uh, writer for DLF, Dynasty and Chill podcast. And then returning back soon will be our Chasing the Helmet podcast, which is our redraft FFPC show. Uh, shout out to J. Mike. He's still the uh, the voice of the Chasing the Helmet podcast. So appreciate being here and uh, great discussion. Thanks, everyone. And thanks for coming on. And, and J. Mike, just uh, yeah, tell everybody, you know, all your stuff and, and your Twitter handle and all that. I'm just glad I can make it to another season uh, of being the opening voice uh, for for Chasing the Helmet. That was a, a, a real privilege for me. Uh, no, again, grateful for the time, just like Scott said. Thank you all for, for this. This is great. Good to meet you, Sid McCaskey. Uh, and, and obviously always good to be with you again, Rocky and Scott. Always appreciate you, my brother. Uh, I'm one half of the Open Bar podcast with Gabe Gearing, uh, and I'm one half of the Dynasty Dummies with Zach Reed. Those are both my better halves in both respects. Uh, incredibly brilliant guys, uh, incredibly talented guys. Please go check them out and all of their endeavors. Uh, I'm on Twitter at jmikecheck, uh, and that's, uh, that, that, that is that. And once again, thank you both for coming on. 
Uh, I want to just give some of our business here. Make sure you're following uh, uh, the other Scott, the less smart Scott, at Scott underscore Sidlow. Uh, I'm at Dynasty FF Addict on Twitter. Follow the pod at Dynasty Junkies. Uh, follow the DAP Network at DAP underscore Network. And please, if you like what you heard, give a, a subscribe rate and review to both us and the network. We really appreciate it. Uh, let us know uh, what you want us to talk about. Anything, uh, you know, I, I mentioned before, we used to have segments here. We're going to more of a, a one uh, topic per show kind of thing. So anything you want us to talk about, anything you want to hear about, let us know. Give us a, give us a rating and review. And uh, I think that will do it for this week. So thanks to everybody. Thanks to everybody in the Tech Mobile Dynasty League. And uh, we'll see you next week. Scott. Junkies out.